Welcome. Welcome, and it is Advent One. Eden, we will we will be talking about the message from yesterday, which is actually two days ago. By the time you get this on Tuesday, we're talking about Sunday, December third, third, and a brand new series. Brand new series. Brand new new liturgy year. Picked off Advent. And this year we're using a series called I, I Believe in When. And we're using um, kind of structure and then the outlines from, from Worship Design Studio, which is on Marsha Marsha Me. And then per usual, we're kind of making it a little bit of our own own as well. Absolutely. Marsha is one of those uh, United Methodists that's been involved in, in uh, edgier um uh, worship has been liturgy development over years. We're glad to Ooh, edgy liturgy. <laughs> edgy liturgy. They said it couldn't be done. <laughs> and yet, here it is. And, and we uh, worshipped in space that was newly decorated for the season. It was Lee, and, and uh, she is not neither here nor there for this podcast. Just know it's true. <laughs> this first week we start off with. You know, it's Advent one, so it's the week of we lit, lit a candle, and our primary text were from I'm Isaiah forty and one. So if you've already heard the scriptures and if you've already heard said, you can join us um, for some reflection. And that time mark will be in the show show notes. Um, A reading from Isaiah 41 through 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak compassionately to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her compulsory service has ended, that her penalty has been paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is crying out, clear the Lord's way in the desert. Make a level highway in the wilderness for our God. Every valley will be raised up, and every mountain and hill will be flattened. Uneven ground will become level, and rough terrain a valley plain. The Lord's glory will appear, and all humanity will see it together. The Lord's mouth has commanded it. A voice was saying, Call out, and another said, What should I call out? All flesh is grass. All its loyalty is like the flowers of the field. The grass dries up and the flower withers when the Lord's breath blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass dries up, the flower withers, but our God's word will exist forever. Go up on a high mountain, messenger Zion. Raise your voice and shout. Messenger Jerusalem, raise it. Don't be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Here is the Lord God coming with strength, with a triumphant arm, bringing his reward with him and his payment before him. Like a shepherd, God will tend the flock. He will gather lambs in his arms and lift them onto his lap. 
He will gently guide the nursing ewes. A reading from Mark 1, 1 through 15. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's Son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the, the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show how they were changing their hearts and lives in wanting God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, One stronger than I am is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. About that time, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and John the the Baptist baptized him in the Jordan River. He was coming up out of the water. Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the Spirit, like a dove, coming down on him. And there was a voice from heaven, You are my Son, who I dearly love. And in your happiness, at once, the force... The Spirit forced Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among the wild animals, and the angels took care of him. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, announcing John's, er, God's good news, saying, Now it is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives, and trust this good news. A word of God that is still speaking. Amen. Allison, do you need your glasses? Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> Join me in prayer. Gracious and holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, you have heard today we begin our new series, I Believe Even When. It's the series we'll use throughout Advent to prepare ourselves over the next few Sundays for the birth of the Christ child. Advent is the church season that starts four Sundays before Christmas. And it's this time we set aside for waiting and wondering and preparing to receive the good news of great joy, Jesus' birth, which changes everything. Today, Advent also marks the beginning of the church calendar. So we change things up a little bit. We do things a little differently. We have a tradition in the church to light one candle on our Advent wreath each week until we can light the Christ candle Christmas Eve. And each week a candle represents a gift that Christmas, Jesus' birth, brings us. Joy, love, peace, and today, hope. Hope. 
we start with hope. This ritual of lighting a candle reminds us that hope is an excellent starting place. It is no coincidence then, as we start with hope, that we also start with some prophets. Isaiah and John the Baptist. Let's look at Isaiah. We've actually been going over the prophets in Disciple Bible Study on Tuesday, so I'm ready. I was primed for this. I was delighted at the scripture. And I want to let you know, too, Isaiah is a book that was actually written in three parts over hundreds of years. And today, we're in that middle part. You see, the actual prophet, he was around 800 BCE, in the same time the Assyrians were close to capturing Jerusalem. He wrote 1 through 39, all right? We're not there today. What we have today in chapter 40 was written in a totally different time by an anonymous prophet writing in Isaiah's name. This likely priest was writing after Assyria had already sacked Jerusalem and after Babylon had also sacked Jerusalem and then forcibly removed all the Israelites from their homes. The scripture we have today was written sometime in the 500 BCE place um, from exile, from exile. I want us to think about that, right? Because so for hundreds of years, generations, the Israelites were already occupied by brutal captors, the Assyrians. 587, Babylon finally advanced far enough to take over Jerusalem, and they destroyed the temple. This was unimaginable to the Israelites, right? The temple is where God resided. God was on earth. God lived in the temple, the holiest of holies. And the Babylonians just came in and totally destroyed it. And at the same time, their friends, their relatives, everyone they loved are being murdered or assaulted, right? Taken as slaves. Some of the elites were taken as political prisoners, but they were carted off somewhere in modern-day Iraq. And they were in this exile for three generations. Isaiah, right, the priest who wrote our words for today, wrote them during that time. Imagine, right, just imagine a little bit of what that might be like and writing the words, comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Right? A voice is crying out, make a level highway in the wilderness for our God. Every valley will be raised up. Every mountain will be flattened. The Lord's glory will appear and all humanity will see it together. Raise your voice and shout. Raise it and don't be afraid. Like a shepherd, God will tend the flock and he will gather us like lambs in his arms and lift them onto his lap. Imagine writing those words from generations of trauma and exile. The reason the prophets are so important in our faith tradition is because while they don't ignore our current reality, they help us dream about hope. 
and they usually point us to it in poetry. The prayer that was shared for you um, earlier from Howard Thurman, he used the phrase, help us with our poverty of imagination. The prophets, right? The prophets speak to us to take us out of our poverty of imagination. It seems counterintuitive in times of deep trouble, in times of war or famine or whatever hardship to spend any energy daydreaming about a world that could be better, writing pretty lines on paper to be read or sung, right, that speak to something that seems miles away that doesn't have anything to do with what we're dealing with, right? It's not practical. Any energy should be spent towards subsistence. And yet here we are, 2,500 years later, reading the words of a dreamer, a poet from exile, as our primary text about what it means to hope. Yesterday, my family hosted a luminary packing party. I live in the Winchell neighborhood in Kalamazoo, and for almost 40 years, like one-third of the neighborhood has had this organized luminary effort. This year, I signed up with some other neighbors, and we wanted to expand the luminary projects beyond just that third to the rest of the whole neighborhood. And I was talking to Tori, my husband, about this, and he said, you know, when I was younger, I don't think I would have found value in wanting to help out with this kind of effort. Um, it's kind of nice, like paper bags lining streets, that's, that's great. But he couldn't really see it beyond the practical part, and he said, but now I, I understand. Now I understand wanting to add light into dark spaces and to invite more people in our corner of the world to do the same. And I thought, well, shoot, that's pretty good. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, let's have more people do luminaries. That sounds great. <laughs> there is something, there is something about even the smallest bit of symbolism, right? Even the smallest candle in a bag on a dark street that reminds us it's not just darkness. Oftentimes, as a practical and hardy people, we find value just in what will directly benefit us, right in front of us. And poetry and dreamers and luminary bags and decorations, some people see them as entirely superfluous. But I contend they, they help us imagine a world that can be different. Some of us will help physically create that world, do the practical, but some of us need to dream to show us that world is possible, that something new and different is possible. Someone needs to write hope-filled words from a time in exile where it's hard to find where God might even be. Langston Hughes wrote many poems but this morning, I want to share the poem, I Dream a World, with you. I dream a world where man, no other man, will scorn, where love will bless the earth and peace its paths adorn. I dream a world will all, will know sweet freedom's way, where greed no longer saps the soul, nor avarice blights our day. A world I dream where black or white, whatever race you be, will share the bounties of the earth and every man is free. 
where wretchedness will hang its head and joy like a pearl attends the needs of all mankind. Of such I dream my world. Langston Hughes was a black American, well-traveled in the world, widely regarded as the father of the Harlem Renaissance. Most scholars say he was a queer man. He was also descended on both sides of his family from enslaved black great-grandmothers and white slave-owning great-grandfathers. He knows of trauma. He knows what it's like to not fit in. And he wrote this poem in 1941 on the precipice of the Second World War. These are the words of hope he offers of what a world might be. His poetry drips of hope, right? And it's a vision I can see and imagine it, all because he took the time and the energy to do something that others would say is not practical, such that we can hope. I think the same holds true with our prophet Isaiah and with John the Baptist. Um, William read for us the actual beginning of the book of Mark, the literal beginning. There's no birth narrative. Mark was not messing around. Mark's just like, let's get to the business. <laughs> Adult Jesus, let's start now. And it's interesting, it was the first one recorded, and we hear, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, God's son, just as it happened. Look, I'm, I'm sending a messenger before you. The messenger is John the Baptist. He's going to shout out, prepare a way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. John the Baptist, also kind of weird, wearing weird clothes, doing his weird stuff out by the Jordan, was baptizing people, was building relationships with people who were changing their hearts and lives, who desperately were seeking after God, knowing that there is one coming. Advent is a time where we too are called to prepare and not just externally, right? The external preparation, it's important. It exists to remind us we're in a new time. Something new is happening, right? A new world can be imagined and birthed on a dark and starry night in Bethlehem. But the real preparation is inward. Friends, can we hope for just a second? Can we dream together? Can we take a minute in this season? I know you're busy. I know you're busy. Can we just take a little time to hope? I know it might seem impractical. I know you might not see the immediate value, but can we just hope for a world where the lion really does lay down with the lamb, where God might gather us together like little nursing ewes on his lap? And here's the thing. You don't have to be there 100% of the time. But can you just take a moment this season, this week, for space in your heart and your head to think that hope is worthwhile? It's hard. It's hard looking out at the world right now thinking that hope might be worthwhile. It is hard to open yourself up that something could be different. It's hard. But that's what we're called to. 
That's what these beautiful poets and dreamers remind us of. We have to hope for a world that doesn't know war or hunger because how can it ever happen if we can't even imagine it? For some of us, that kind of hoping is incredibly hard. But we have dreamers and singers and poets to give us words and images to help us. They are prophets. The preparation we are called to do is open ourselves up even just a little bit to the possibility that God can and will do a new thing. Friends, this week I want you to think about what primes you to hope. Not what gives you hope, that is a noun. What helps you to hope, a verb, right? What helps you to hope? For me, unsurprisingly, it's poetry. I had a call out on my social media not long ago um, to help folks crowdsource 25 poems um, that I could kind of use as an advent calendar. And folks did it, and they're lovely, and I've been able to start. But here's the thing. I'm not, like, super creative. I'm not a natural writer. I'm not a poet, so it's not like I gravitate towards it. Quite the opposite. I'm a very linear thinker. I like, a, I like a nice straight line. I like a flow chart. I like a spreadsheet, right? I like when things are black and white. I have a hard time visioning, so I need the poetry. I need it, because I need someone who can soften my lines and make them less rigid and see what kind of world might be out there. I need those imaginative prophets to speak, to remind me. That everything I can imagine, ooh, isn't all there is. <laughs> Friends, what helps you hope? For me, poetry, what helps you hope? I want you to think about that. This week, I want you to take some time with whatever helps you hope. Spend some time practicing hope so that we can prepare ourselves to receive news for a weary world. At the end of the selection, William read for us in Mark, Jesus says, friends, now is the time. Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. Join me in hoping and trusting this week. Amen. Welcome back. back. Welcome back. I hope you had a good time and a good time <laughs> to digest all of that, all of that, uh, all, all 15 words. Just mm -hmm. a sermon. Mm -hmm. what, 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 what were you hoping would walk away? away? What was I hoping? Funny. Jokester, even when I'm not thinking about it. Yeah. So I was really, really drawn to is, is the contract of the, uh, the cunt which uh, the prophets were speaking from. from. 
compare their words. Um, so I, I, I wanted people, people to kind of have a little bit of a gist of what that, what that might like because it relates um, to the current day where there, there is more famine and all sorts of hardship. Um, and within that, to be able to consider some things that might seem, seem extra or superfluous, uh, like, like the arts are really one of the things that, that feed us in ways that help us move forward and give us the ability to hope. That's that's what I was hoping folks would take out of it is is, is a little uh, uh, more of a less at what it might look like to hope what sources we might go to uh, to press hope um, to remember that hope is not a, a noun like a level achieve it is it is a prac prac and that's why we start start off Advent with hope hope each year because frankly we need the practice sometimes. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, you look backwards from where we are now to uh, the time time face and further back as you as you had us do to the time of Isaiah mm-hmm. um, um, and the marks of hope they found then are not all that much, much different marks of hope we find now and so it might, might cause one one to circle circle there because uh, it Look, looks like all is hoped for in millennia and centuries past did not not fruition. So why would we hope? And it seems like like things uh, minimally no better than they were then. And arguably, um, we we at least have have more powerful tools at our disposal for acts of destruction that, that the human human heart hindered back then. So. <laughs> Why would, why, why would we? Why would I would we are hoping? This this is your counter to, to my message. To your no, it's not. It's not counter. It's it's the we we continue to do to do this, mm-hmm. right? And we continue to read the prophets. We continue to read the gospels, and we continue to hope. Um, Paul said uh, th- that. Um, did it Paul say? Hope, hope, hope. Oh, come on, come on. For Romans. Yeah. Uh, assurance <laughs> of things seen. Hope, hope. That's not the one I was going for. I don't know which one. I, I'm thinking of the faith one. I'm not sure. I should have, should have a Bible. Look it up. Hope is the thing with feathers. I'm pretty sure Paul never said hope is the thing with feathers. <laughs> For hope, for who, for what one sees, uh, but if one hopes, hopes for Romans eight. I'm reading it. Hey, there I go, taking us down a rabbit rabbit in the podcast. I'll cut that. I promise. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I but don't. it is relevant. <laughs> For in this hope we were saved, but hope, hope that is seen is no hope at all. That's it. Who hopes what they already have? If we hope for what we do not, do not have, we wait for it patiently. That's it. All right.
so so it's 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 um I, I think I think it errs in that that it's a it's a prophetic question and it's also a pastoral question. Mm. Right? Because it goes to what do we do with uh, Merely the disappointment, um, maximally the despair that comes when we we don't see anything come out of, of our hope, and um, and we're back seeing that people long ago hoped for those things. What's us hoping? Mm. Yeah. Well, what do you what say? What, what gives you hope? Well, I really think I really think it's it's um, um, it, it's part of the spark of the divine in us yeah. as human beings. Um, it's a, it's a place where at the end of First uh, Corinthians thirteen, faith, faith, hope, and love together, and those are, those are not easy pieces. They are sparked continually by this nature of God still. In the human being, so where we would go to despair, faith, hope, and love enable us us to keep going into God's promised future. You know, I I think that sometimes people people say believe, and they, and they say it relevantly, and they say it as if it is stuck with them. Uh, and at least for me, for me, I make the choice. To believe, like yeah. make the cho- choice to believe that God can and will do a new thing, um, because uh, be- because as I've seen happen, grand really small ways, you know, but uh, places that I expected it, it or anticipated. So, I think similarly, what you know, what keeps me hoping is that I think something within within all and within creation then that uh, begs, you know, pleads with with us to, to live and live in one another and we we see glimpses of that outside of our of our control i can be in in addition to you know idolatrous and you know love loving all sorts of greed and things things we can also be very very short sighted assume well if i don't don't see it then it, then it can't be real i i agree and i think that when we look back Hundreds of years, thousands of years, or, or a few weeks, and tell ourselves that nothing changed, end up forgetting things that were important. Um, we we had seventy two hours of ceasefire mm-hmm. in uh, uh, Israel Palestine. Um, so it it reminded us that it is it is possible. We woke up to new bombings in new areas this morning. We woke up uh, on the brink of war between uh, the United States and, and uh, Iraqi-sponsored forces, excuse me, Iranian-sponsored forces. Um, and that could be death for a forum. And it does not wipe out the fact that 72 hours were pulled together together to allow people to get into safe, safer environments. So, so, that, so that the possibility that hope can be brought to fruition, it's not impossible. It takes a will. Yeah. Well, I think, too, uh, we don't talk about how risk is to hope. 
it's risky. It's vulnerable, yeah. right? Like, there have been times, um, you know, I think about times in ministry where, like, I had kind of make it, make it to risk to, to believe in, um, you know, in some goodness or, or just be afraid. And uh, I'm sure a lot of us have done that and have been burned, burned at times, right? Right, have burned by that risk. Um, kind of settled to as much as I can. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna take that. Like, I'm gonna take that bet because it's the kind of person I want to be. Um, and think God calls calls us is to is to make make that choice. Um, and, um, and make a just assumption or make, or make, you know, make a choice to think that something else could be possible, even if if my, you know. A uh, very black and black and literal brain can't even imagine what what it would be, um, because of the few times I've been shown that's that's how God works. It, it is hard, yeah, and and often often will will in someone, and we have we have things to see that there's good coming out of the hope, and then the minute that there there uh, a failure of connection in some way and that it feels feels like what we were we were hoping did not come true mm-hmm. uh, as though it's a wish mm-hmm. um, uh, then we do within us at least not in free frequent outside of us and say see uh, that's the way the person or that's that situation is I won't make that mistake again mm-hmm. um and, and that seems to miss the point of hope entirely. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't expiration. Yeah, I mean there is a, a and there's a like this. This is hard because there is a, a once once bitten twice shy kind of thought about this. You know, hope isn't asking you to be a mat or to be abused. You know, like that's not that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> it's the belief that some something and great is around the corner or po- merely possible. And I think too, some again pointing to the f- fact that we think belief is, is static within us. You can you can hope and doubt together. There's no like there's no you know there's nothing that thing that says you can hold doubt and hope hope in each other and say hey I've got a choice to make but like I have two minds minds I'm I'm gonna kind of lean in towards this camp because that's you know that's where I want to be be that it's not as as if an inhuman and discreetly identify one or the other where, where they live and to, you know that's not, that's not how people work right so, so to say that hope is a piece of that spark of the divine exists within mm-hmm. us sort, sort of um, um, at times if it's in spite of, of our humanity ah, absolutely um, it doesn't, doesn't me don't have the rest, the rest of humanity living there at the same time that's going to say, ha, see? Yeah. It's not worth hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's another place we can cut ourselves some, some slack and give permission to uh, to remember what we got to hope, hope and get there again. And trust that you can. Man. Like, it, it, hope that you can even hope. hope. Like, that, that is a legit, legit place to start. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's you know we're we're up uh, uh, to Christmas again on the fourteenth, and that's one of the pl- one of the things we do in that space is 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 make uh, a liturgical effort, a worshipful effort to say, 
I can I can allow space for me to help and mm -hmm. love and and dip my dip was in faith again, even though I feel busted and burned and um and that's the divine it seems way, 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 way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a I think a very important point, at least at least for me. And I think the prophets do this really well. Not ignore the current reality. Reality. Hope is not saying, "Yeah, we're not going to deal with any of that." Like, "Yeah, we're not going to touch that. We're not going to name it. We acknowledge reality. We're not going to acknowledge pain or trauma." You know, to hope. Hope is do that work for work to do that work. To name reality and 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 fight of reality with with as much awareness of the reality as you muster. Still say. Still say, still say, I think, I think, I wonder what, what else might be possible. And there's a reason we have a whole season that starts with this, because right? it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not something that is culturally really modeled. Um, um, we don't, we don't really see this for active hope. We see ignoring reality and platitudes and telling people, you should, you know, you should hope for something better as, as a way to say, I don't want to hear, hear about concerns, right, right? <laughs> we do that because we're uncomfortable with people's discomfort. <laughs> or uh, we just become pessimists. Say nothing's ever going to be different. Nothing's going to change. Well, shape it in the season as, well, this is the season where we're hoping for a baby and name Christ. And that mm. baby named Christ will care of this. Like yeah, whoop whoop, we can yeah, wash our hands right. of it. <laughs> so I so I don't have to be attentive to you know how difficult for for you, my sister, it is to hope in the moment. Yeah, um, that's not it. That's not it. Part of it is what you once you talked about about that. I'm hoping you'll can segue into way in a little bit. Um, the power of poetry. So it's it's. Uh, Brueggemann has, has a book called Finally Comes the Poet, where he taught what, what the people of Judah and Israel were waiting for was a, a different narrative, and the narrative ultimately not flat prose, but was poetic in nature, that had breadth and depth that went beyond, beyond, uh, beyond newscast. So that, so that when we're talking about hope, we're not talking about a particular thing we can do in a linear fashion. Yeah, a, a specific come. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I know that I'm going to follow up the week with a little, little, a little bit of that, and but I want, I want to talk some more about what we're hoping to do there in the, in the message around poetry. Why it's, why it's important to you? Yeah. Well, I think. Um, Again, I, I, you know, thing in, in art seems to be the first thing to go where we're, we're, we're looking, we're assessing. <laughs> like, hey, let's look at school budgets, you know, you know, and it's like, oh, we can get rid of that. that. And, and um, you know, to what end? I think we have a, have a societal bias um, towards, uh, towards things, thinking poetry and, uh, you know, song. And art is, is not as valuable because it doesn't concretely, discreetly relate to productivity in a particular way. 
um, maybe maybe that, that's, those are just circles that I'm used to being in. And, um, and yet, I think think um, like that has led to a lot a lot of the disservice talking about um, scripture. So like we're doing this prophets class and just every week I have to say like, y'all, this is this is poetry. Like these 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 were eccentrics, yes, about these prophetic gestures, and they were bonkers. But so beautiful, like they, it was, it's performance art. Like what Jeremiah does is performance art. Buying a lot of land and in a place you are being forced out of, making a whole show of having the date and saying no, no, we went back here. Like that's performance art in this gorgeous, prophetic, like beautiful way. And and I think so often we read scripture and we read it as if it's a Wikipedia article, right? As just to realizing like yeah it's in- yes it's, it's intentionally hyperbolic people understood this this they actually craved it they knew it and they, they appreciated that form um, because what some of this fantastical imagery does is break us out of black and white it breaks us out we're, we're in front of us when you paint a reality that it is so far removed from what from what you see experience and dance it a lot of metaphor and analogy and hyperbole it makes makes you realize oh there, there, there is more out there, and there are, are folks that do that um, really well and really be- beautifully. As as mentioned, I have found um, that I need that. I need I need people. I would I would prefer to have all of my data in a spreadsheet. I would I would like it to be as pleasing and orderly, right? But I would that's where I would like it, and uh, it's normative. And I think sometimes poets really do make a little bits of potential chaos and dreams and bring them down so that they're a little more accessible for the rest of us. Yes, yes. And they in an incredibly welded way. Mm. I mean, that's part of the gift of the poet or the art artist of yeah. the kind. Um, it, it, it is so well planned that it, that it can look as though, you know, somebody just took a brush to, to a palette and... <laughs> There, there. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we you know, we we finished decorating the sanctuary, and and the big picture um, that Jess and particular work work with was Starry Night, and, and I think about about it's one of those this, this Van Gogh painting that the paintings that you look at and it takes your breath away. It takes your breath breath away because. It is entirely within the sum of its parts. Hmm. That's really what's going on with the, with the prophet. Hmm. Um, it, it is gorgeous language, poetry that they have to read over and over and over again and not to get a linear message, but to absorb it, uh, not comprehend it, but to apprehend it, to hold it in such a way that it, that it warms you. And it yeah, inspires. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I hoped in talking about poetry. I feel that that way about music um, as well, and we're, we'll be doing it with music in this in this season. Then we'll be following up with the series on on music. Because sometimes putting those those notes behind words, word, without words even, uh, does this the same thing? Moves and inspires us in a way that feels very innate and divine, sparky. How you know so many cultures have have um, important. Connected to them, like it's something about humans, where we we like like dancing, singing, and music. Like, I mean, not individually, but. <laughs>
You say, I believe in music. I believe in music. Wow. Come on, sing, sing along. No, this one. Really? Mm-hmm. Mac Davis. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. These were... A wild time I hear. Well, well, yes. <laughs> and to talk about it in prose. Sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> well, what else? What else say you? Anything you need to wrap up? Any wet holes that you went down that you need to dig out of? Oh, um, no, not really. I and mean, I, j- j- like, this is interesting because I, I, I feel, I feel pretty good about this message. There's a few things I would do differently. Um, um but I, I had a rough week in terms of reading it. Um, wasn't feel, feeling good in, like, when I'm, I had an ear infection and I was on, a, a pre- like, steroids and antib- and antib- and they make my brain fuzzy. I don't, you know, like, my brain was just fuzzy. So I had a hard t- time getting it out, um, which is interesting, writing, like, poetry and being like, I can't even, <laughs> but that's kind of where I was at, so, so it was, I, I, I knew, I knew the concepts I wanted, um, but I almost always have words that availed me, so I so I struck the words, which was interesting. I, I rarely have issue. Um, I, prob- I probably would have a little bit more about Langston Hughes. Um, I think he's really really interesting care, and I think per- particularly I Dream World is a really really interesting poem. But someone came, at, you know, after worship, I think there and was like, hey, hey, I have to shout out that out that you that poem again after you said that a little bit more. And I thought, well, even even though we're miss, you can do that. Even, even you can shout out, I'll read a poem again. I can ha- I can handle a few loud interruptions. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of worship, and um, well done, and with fifteen words, well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And communion, which has got to be a little shorter, you know. Well, well, and a lot of extra liturgy because of the marsh fee structure and uh, yeah but it was it was i hope folks it was lovely worship and uh powerful uh and that's no small piece of that so yeah well thanks y'all y'all for well, thank you uh next week uh, uh is love we we <laughs> I'm pretty sure. What's love got to do? <laughs> that one I know. No, give me some time. I can, I can get down to you. Know. Um, yeah. So Bear will be preaching on um, um, first Isaiah, meaning Isaiah in the first 39 chapters. So he gets the real, real deal uh, <laughs> before they were in exile. <laughs> and, and we're talking a little bit about love. love. Yeah. Talk about right relationship. Of manif- maybe, 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 right just relationship. as we talked about love in ways that were new to some of us uh, last of the week before, before last Friday, I think uh, this right relationship will be a new way of thinking about things. things. So, stay tuned. See you next week. Be there. <laughs>